The scripture reading, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, before, as Billy runs out, I don't know if you know Billy, but this man works so hard, like all week. I mean, you have no idea. He's running around in circles doing all kinds of manner of things all day, day and night and weekend. Um, Billy's working, so I hope you appreciate our guy Billy back there. He's great. <laughs> so good morning. It's good to be here. Um, also wanted to, um, in the spirit of Paul writes about Thanksgiving, um, praying with Thanksgiving in our message in a moment, but also wanted to say thanks to Zateo for hosting Halftime. And um, did you have those churros? Did anybody have a churro? There people were like, oh, did you all miss the churros? Then nobody came early and got churros. Okay, Zateo hosted, they had churros. Everybody at first service was walking around eating churros and saying they were the best churros, and it was really great. So thanks to, to uh, Zateo for hosting, and maybe you guys should come like early next week and grab churros if they're here. Um, let's, uh, I want to say a word of prayer this morning as we start. This, this message in Colossians chapter 4 um, really has a theme of prayer. So I'm going to ask you actually to, to take a few moments during the message and to actually pray instead of just talking about prayer. Because we could talk about it for a long time and never pray, and it might be kind of silly. So I'm going to ask you to actually pray a few times with me during um, the message. But I was thinking about um, our week and the news and our state of California and uh, thinking about Paul asking us to pray. And I thought we should take a moment and, and pray for everyone affected by the fires this week because there's a lot of people who um, went through incredible loss this week. Actually, in, uh, in Paradise, there was a, a pastor who I played college basketball with a long, long time ago. Um, he was a pastor there, and he just posted a picture of where his house was. There's a picture of his house and a picture of where it is, and I couldn't recognize it because it, it's just gone. Like, there's nothing. It's just a vacant lot now where his house was. So let's, would you just take a moment and pray with me? Um, and then we'll get into Colossians. Dear God, we, we cry out to you um, for help. And you tell us to pray for others, God. So we, we pray for everyone affected by all these horrible fires around California, for people that have lost their homes, um, who are uncertain about the future, perhaps lost their jobs. Um, God, we ask that you would bring hope that you would bring healing, that you would bring provision. Um, and God, as we pray for these kinds of things, may you also spark in us and lead us to how you would want us to be involved. How do you want us to love, to care? Um, sometimes we can be the answers to our own prayers. And so I ask that you would guide us into how we can be a part of all the work you're doing and to, of healing and restoration in California and in this world. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, if you would turn to Colossians chapter 4, if you have a, a Bible or a red pew Bible or perhaps a phone, 
I just asked that if you use your phone, don't go on to Instagram next, because you'll get sucked in. Some of you, you know, you look at your phone, and all of a sudden you're on Instagram, and the sermon's over, and you're like, oh, yeah, there was a sermon in Colossians. So if you use your phone for the Bible, I mean, I'll never know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. You're going you're gonna to stay with me here. So Colossians chapter 4, um, we're going to actually, I want to read first verses 2 through 4, and we'll actually look at it in two sections. We'll look at verses 2, 3, and 4, and then we'll look at verses 5 and 6 a little bit later. But verses 2, 3, and 4 read like this. Continue, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Paul starts out saying, continue steadfastly in prayer. And steadfast means to persevere, to attend to continually, to keep doing it, or even to be patient in it, but to keep praying. So Paul's in prison, writing a letter to a small church, and he's saying, keep praying steadfastly day after day. Please keep praying in general, and please keep praying for me that you would open a door that I could share the love of God with people around me um, in jail or in prison. And as I read this, this, this challenge to pray steadfastly, to, to keep praying, I'm struck by the fact that sometimes, if you're like me, I, I want to pray. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for Oakland. I want to pray for our church. And sometimes I just want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Is anybody with me on that? Sometimes, I, Mike Mancini's honest. Sometimes, I know I, I should be steadfast in prayer, but I just want to sit on the couch and find something silly to do or scroll through Facebook and just do nothing. And Paul knows that, so he writes this letter and he says, keep praying in a steadfast way. Please keep praying for everything and keep praying for me day after day, week after week, month after month. And we'll get into this fact in a moment of Paul saying, I want you to pray, but also I want you to pray that God would open doors for me. That God would open doors so that I could share the word of God here in jail. So I'm going to actually ask us, um, I've been reflecting on all the different kinds of ministries that even happen at Regeneration on a Sunday morning. You know, there's, there's, there's cross streets in the morning. People come and receive food. Many people who don't have a place to live during the week come and receive food um, and conversation and community building across the street. There are children's ministries. Um, during the week, there are refugee ministries and ESL classes. 1951 Coffee meets in here. Um, our, youth, our student ministries meets in here. Um, and so many of us come, and, and we need a word from God. Like, we, we need a moment of encouragement. We need God to show up. Um, even thinking about our church right now in this space of praying about this building. There's so many things that we need God's Spirit to move, and we need God to show up around us in our church so that ministry can actually happen. Amen? Um, so I'm going to ask you um, if you would stand and pray with me for a minute. So would you stand? I know you might not want to, but would you stand? Um, in the spirit of reading what Paul said about praying uh, in a steadfast way, um, that God would open doors, I want to pray that God would open doors for us, even this morning. Like, right? Like, we came here, and we don't know what everyone else in this room is going through. We don't know if people need a word of encouragement this morning, if people need a word of hope, if people need a friend this morning on the way out. I don't know what we all need. We don't know what we all need, but I believe that God wants to open doors. 
Um, so I want to, if, if you would, uh, would you even grab a hand of someone close to you? I know that might be a little uncomfortable, but we, we can push through the awkwardness. Um, and let's just have a, a, a moment as, as a church family, um, in, in the spirit of Paul, of, of praying that doors would be open. Okay, let's pray. Um, Father, we stand here as a church family, and we ask that you would continue to open doors all around us for your word, God, for your love, for your hope to spread, God. Um, so I pray for all the different ministries that happen around this space, for children and for students um, and for people who are homeless, for all the people that come to this space and are encouraged and are taught. God, would you move? Even in this service now, as I stand up here and speak, and then we'll have more music and prayer, God, would you move? We ask that you would move, that you would open doors, that you would break through things, that you would bring healing, that you would bring restoration, God, um, in our midst. And we trust that you will bring it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and, go ahead and grab your seat. Thank you. So Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer for me. And he says, pray with thanksgiving. So he says, be steadfast. He says, pray with thanksgiving. Now, sometimes there are big things in life that we pray for, that we hope will happen, right? That we, or we, that we don't want to happen. And can anybody think of something like where you, oh, I need this job, or I need to get into this school, or I need a roommate, or I need to pay for this bill. And there's moments when we pray for these things, and then it happens. And it's very easy to, like, by the next Monday to forget, is anybody with me on that? Like you, this thing, and I prayed, and then, man, Monday came, and now I'm worried about, right, the next thing to worry about on, on Monday instead of that thing. So Paul says, pray in a steadfast way, but also when you pray, it's not all about all gloom and, and all gut-wrenching. Pray with thanksgiving. Man, pray and be thankful and say, God, thank you for these things that you're doing for me. And it's, all, it's amazing. I mean, Paul's, Paul's writing in general is amazing, but remember, Paul's in prison, and he's reminding people to be thankful as you're praying, to, to pray with thanksgiving. Um, and right, right before this in Colossians 3, he wrote, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So would you even now take a moment and, and even just silently in your head, like thank God for things that God has given you. Like just, just take a moment now. Um, what, what is there to be to pray for with thanksgiving even in this moment, for huge things and for tiny things, let us be thankful. Amen. So Paul writes about being thankful, and he says, pray, I want to focus on this, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. So Paul knows that as he's trying to tell people about this mystery of Christ, that he needs God to do it, that he needs God to open a door. Okay, he wants to talk, he wants things to happen in, in prison, but he needs God to open a door so that something can happen. And so Paul reminds us of this supernatural reality. As we want to love people, as we want to lead a home group, as we want to be a part of a church, as we want to be a part of an of a alpha group, as we want to be a part of any kind of of work or nonprofit or ministry in the world, that we need God to open doors. Amen? Like we need God's Spirit to open doors or it's not actually gonna happen. Um, I have a, a quick story to, to illustrate this, this reality that sometimes we do ministry and it's just God opens a door. 
Sometimes we have big ideas and nothing happens and it just falls on its face and, got, and it, it just didn't work. The door didn't open. Um, when I was in college, I, I went to a, a Christian college and at my Christian college, if you were like a real Christian, you went on a summer missions trip. I mean, like no ifs, ands, or buts. If you were like a legit, like spiritual person, you pretty much had to sign up for a summer missions trip. It's just, the, it's just like the, the known rule for spiritual growth. You have to go. Um, and I was busy working and stuff in the summer. But then one summer, they had a basketball team. Like they were going to take some of our college basketball team um, to Hong Kong and China. And we were going to do clinics and play games, along with a, a women's volleyball team from the college. So I was like, oh, I'm signing up for that one. I get to go play basketball, put on basketball clinics all over Hong Kong and China. Like that, this is going to be great. So I signed up with a few of my friends, and then a few women signed up for the volleyball team. We went through all this training and ministry and prayer, had this, this intense like spiritual formation week to get ready to go. We fly over there. Um, I think it was probably our first day. We, we go out, do a clinic, and tons of people come. I mean, just tons and tons of people come. Um, we share like a testimony. Everybody wants to hear about it. People want to pray with us after, and then go play a game and have like a few hundred people at the game. Um, I'm throwing alley-oops to my friends. My friends are dunking. We beat this team. It's amazing. We share a testimony. People are like listening, I mean really listening to my testimony as it's being translated. It's amazing. People want to pray. People want to talk to me. Then we walk around town and we basically have fans following us around town asking for our autographs, um, like literally for like another couple hours after that. And I was like, this, this is amazing. Like all this. And we went back and, and then we would meet up with the, with the girls volleyball team. And so we met up and wherever we were staying, and we're like, oh, we had this, ama- I mean, God did all this stuff, and it was amazing. How was your day? And the girls looked at us, and they were all about to cry. They were all, like, just, I mean, deeply having, I said, oh, what happened? They said, well, they sent us to this, this, like, outdoor place to play volleyball, and there was nobody there. And, like, one kid played with us for five minutes, and then that kid left. So we just played by ourselves for a couple hours, and it was really depressing. And then we went somewhere else, and there was nobody there either. And then they told us the wrong place to go next, and we went, and, like, nothing. And this actually happened the whole trip for them. Like, nobody cared about them playing volleyball. So like nothing happened, and then we would go again, and we would have a huge crowd, and one of us would share a testimony, and like people would be praying, and like wanting to talk to us about our testimonies, and it was amazing. And it just, it, it kind of taught me, like you, it wasn't that we were doing any better job than the girls' volleyball team. Just for whatever reason, doors were open. Like for whatever reason, a door, doors were open, and people responded, and like all these fun and beautiful things happened our whole trip. Sometimes the doors open and sometimes the doors don't open. So Paul says, I'm in prison here and I want to share the good news. I want to keep sharing it, but I need you out there to pray for me that God would open doors so I could speak clearly, that God would open doors so I could tell people about the word of God, about the love of God. Now that's cool, but it's when you really sit back and think about it, remember Paul was in jail writing this letter. And I don't know about you, but if I was in jail writing a letter, like let's say I got put in jail and I was writing a letter to regeneration, my letter, instead of four or five chapters of, of theology about Jesus and then encouragement and how to pray, and praying open doors for me to share the gospel, my letter would be like, greetings, greetings, pray that I would get out of here. Like another couple, pray that I would leave. Like, and okay, have a prayer meeting every night at Regen until I am out of here. Like that's what my letter would say. Is anybody with me or am I like way out of here, okay? And then I'll be, okay, and have a Sunday. Sunday service is now pray for me that I would get out of jail. Like that, that would be my letter to regeneration. Just keep praying that I would get out of jail. Like over and over again, everybody, you know, prayer vigils all 24-7, right? And keep the chapel open, 
pray that I get out of jail. And Paul, pray, and Paul says, pray that there would be doors open for me to, to speak of the mystery of Christ while I'm in here. Paul was a, an interesting person, wasn't he? Can you just pray for that while I'm here? Pray that doors would be open so that I can speak of the mystery of Christ. That was his attitude. That was his perspective. God had made him a new person. Um, I was thinking about this, looking through my notes, and how odd and beautiful this is that Paul thinks this way and asks for these kinds of prayers. And it struck me that I've actually seen something similar. I, I get to play basketball at San Quentin Prison on the yard like once a month for the last like seven, eight, nine years. Um, and we get to, and then there's, an, there's an actual league outside, um, and there's scorekeepers, and there's, there's a real long game, and we go out there and we play, and it's a, it's a blast, and then we get to hang out with people and talk. So there's certain, certain men that I've been able to talk to once a month for, for years and years and get to know them. And often, most of, most of the basketball team, uh, almost all are Christians and are absolutely wonderful kind, mature, amazing men. Um, and when I ask them about prayer, um, they often say, could you pray for the younger guys in here? Not like, can you rescue, no, no, like, can you pray for these young knuckleheads in here? Because some of these young guys haven't figured out what's going on yet, and we're worried about them. So we're, we're mentoring them, and we're, and we're teaching them, and we have groups we're in with them, but you got to pray for these young dudes in here, because um, they really need some help. That's their, that's their prayer request for the week as they, as they live in San Quentin day after day. Pray for these other guys um, that God would do something in their life. So Paul is in prison saying, pray for me, pray for the good news. And it reminds me of um, last week Reverend Ben McBride preached, and I'm glad I'm not preaching right after him. I'm glad I have a week or else you would be really bored right now compared to Reverend Ben McBride. Um, but Ben said this idea of Sometimes God calls us into the uncomfortable situations. Remember that? He said God calls us into a place of being uncomfortable. And we want to run towards comfort. We want to run towards safety and security and run away from uncomfort. But sometimes that's where God has us. And that's where God grows us. And that's where even the, the, the work happens of being in an uncomfortable place and seeing how God molds us and uses us in a place of uncomfort. So be willing to be uncomfortable for a moment and see what God wants to do in that uncomfortable space. Um, so in this whole passage, we're going to switch gears. So we, that, that was two through four, and five through six is related. And on the next slide, there's a couple themes. So two through four is, how do we talk to God about people? Okay? Five to six is, how do we talk to people about God? So Paul says, pray for me as I'm doing this ministry, and then he says, okay, and when you are out there, here's how I want you to pray, and here's how I actually want you to talk to other people. So let's read verses five and six. Paul says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Amen? Okay, so I really like this next part of the passage. So is, is, is everybody awake still? Just like raise your hand if you're awake. Are, are, are we still here? Because sometimes the second half of the sermon, like some people are kind of tuned out. Okay, so you're still with me, right? Yes? Okay, good, we're awake. Okay, so I want us to wrestle with this. Paul writes something that I think is provocative and, and is timely for us. To walk in wisdom toward outsiders and to let our speech always be gracious. I want to wrestle with this. Because 
now and then, we Christians use words in person or on the internet that are not gracious. Have you ever seen that before? Yeah. So sometimes Christians say things about the world, say things about people, say things about people groups, say things about people they don't understand or know that are not always gracious, that are not always kind, that are not always sensitive to people, that are not always caring. And Paul says, okay, I'm going to tell you to pray for me, the doors are open, but I'm going to tell you, for the sake of the good news of God, I am telling you, be wise in how you talk. If you want to call yourself a Christian who's a part of this church, be wise and careful in how you talk and make sure that the speech is always gracious. Always gracious. I'm going to tell you a story, and I think it'll illustrate the idea of how we, how we get off sometimes and are ungracious. So in, uh, in my house, I have three children. They're 14, 11, and 9, and they are wonderful. Like, they are beautiful, wonderful children. I love them, and I think they're great but I have to throw them under the bus for sermon illustrations sometimes. And, and I told them that, and they said, okay, that's okay. Um, so in my house, any house when there's like two or three or four kids who are kind of close in the same age, there is conflict, right? So some of you have grown up in houses with siblings or a lot of siblings, and when there's a few siblings, there's just, there's gonna be conflict, even if they're great kids, okay? So my kids, sometimes, when they're in the same space, all three of them start bickering over stupid things, okay? Such as, like we each had two brownies and then we all get a third and Chase's brownie is this much bigger than ours and that is not fair and we now I just sit down and have a, a family talk about the brownies and yell at Chase and have this thing. Or so-and-so, Ava, got three extra minutes on the TV and I am angry and dad, you need to come deal with this and I'm now going to start yelling at Ava and have a huge thing. Or so-and-so is humming in the living room. Dad, so-and-so is humming in the living room and I told them to stop and they will not stop humming and I don't like what they're humming. And so now we have to have World War III in the living room until we're all screaming at each other because so-and-so was humming and so-and-so's brownie was too big and so-and-so's leg is too close to someone on the couch while you are both doing things on the couch. This is reality. This, this is not made up, okay? And what happens in my house is pretty soon everybody is yelling at each other and yelling at me and then one of the children comes up and says, Dad, you need to do something because so-and-so did this. And I was like, hold on a sec, Dad, you, and pretty soon the, it all, it all like the levels go up. And I end up hitting this point normally, and, I, and I, I am totally not faultless, and I often am not gracious in this point, but I end up getting to this point and I say, I don't care about the brownie or the leg or like the three minutes or that, just stop talking to me that way. Like I, I, I can't even hear about the little thing that happened 10 minutes ago, but what I care about is how you're talking to me and how you're talking to your siblings. Because you are now talking in a way that is rude and condescending and disrespectful and mean and sarcastic and hurtful, and that kind of talk is not okay in our house. And so we, we have this same talk, maybe, you know, every other day. And I, and, I, and I give my speech, right? I give my speech, and I'm trying to tell them, yes, you're going to have conflict, right? Yes, you're going to get upset with people. But God has called us and taught us to be in this space where we can be, we can disagree and we can be upset and we can have conflict, but we, we can handle it with grace, amen? Where we can have a disagreement with our brother or sister or our brother and sister in Christ or our neighbor or our boss or our uncle on Facebook and we can have a disagreement 
and we can get into it, but we cannot fall into this space where we are yelling and being mean and being rude towards other human beings. Amen? And Paul writes, listen, for the sake of the gospel, not even just because you should be that, not even just because we're hoping God is making you, forming you into new people who are mature and who are kind, but for the sake of the good news of God, for the sake of being a witness to God, let your words always be gracious. Let your words be kind and loving and sensitive and caring and humble and welcoming and warm as you talk to people in the outside world and as people in the world hear you talk to each other. Can we always be gracious towards others? Um, last week, Reverend Ben McBride had this phrase. He said, when fighting against the monster, let us not become monstrous. As we are fighting for what is right in the world, as we are fighting for truth, as we are fighting for justice, as we are fighting for righteousness, let us do that, but let us not become monstrous as we do that. Let us learn to speak with compassion and mercy and speak in a way that is gracious. And this word sticks out to me always. Let your speech always be gracious. So not be gracious when you're talking to someone you like, right? Not be gracious when you're talking to somebody who's easy to talk to. Not be gracious just when people agree with you, but let your speech always be gracious all the time and seasoned with salt. So gracious and seasoned with salt. And it's funny, I read all these commentators about what does it mean seasoned with salt? And they all kind of agree. It means something to the effect of don't be really boring. Like don't be a stick in the mud kind of Christian who can't have a conversation. So be gracious, but as you're talking with people, learn how to have an interesting conversation. Learn how to be engaging. Learn how to have a little bit of fun and be interesting when you're talking with people um, in the world. Be gracious and have some salt in how you talk. Now, I want to speak for a moment about this need for wisdom. This need for wisdom. Paul starts off this section by saying, walk in wisdom. And the reality is, in this complex world that we live in, where we have very different views of the world sometimes, and we come from very different places sometimes, even within the church, um, in the middle of that, it takes wisdom to know how to speak out for what is right and to be gracious. It takes wisdom to know when to confront and how to do it, right? It takes wisdom to know, how do I, do I let this one go, right, or do I confront? And if I go confront, how do I do it in a way that is gracious? Some of us this morning are, are maybe even gearing up now for the extended family Thanksgiving, amen? So, so some of us go to Thanksgiving and for some people, that is in itself is a whole exercise of how to be gracious, how to sit with a large group of people and have different perspectives and religions and ideologies and politics and how to sit and how to eat together and how to somehow learn to be gracious to one another while we eat. But let us be gracious. Um, this big idea for this morning is the idea of wisdom, to, to walk in wisdom, to pray with wisdom, and to talk with wisdom. Um, and we're going to have a few moments of reflective prayer where I'm going to ask us to really just sit 
um, to sit with God for a couple minutes and to sit with God and to wrestle with God. God, how do I live into this? How do I do this, God? What are you calling me to in this crazy world, in this crazy city that we exist in? So would you just close your eyes and pray with me for a minute? And I'm going to give you a little bit of space to respond in prayer. Um, But first, I'm going to give you two or three minutes to pray that God would open doors. Would you just take a moment and close your eyes and pray that God would open doors for Regeneration Church to be a blessing to our city, to spread God's love and God's message of hope and healing and restoration in our city. Pray for ministries that you're a part of. Pray for ministries you know of. Um, But would you take a minute and pray that God would open doors? And I'll close this in a minute or two. But just pray that God would open doors. God, this morning, as a church family, we pray that you would keep opening doors so that people could know your love and know your peace and find hope in you. For every ministry in this church and every ministry that we know of, God, we pray that you would open doors, even this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so now we're going to have another little moment of prayer and pray for ourselves and pray that God would give us wisdom as we speak to other people, both inside the church and particularly outside the church. How do we talk to people? And you might even want to pray for certain situations or certain people. You might want to pray for how you talk to your neighbor, right, or, or a coworker, or a family member, or someone at, at Regeneration. I don't know who it is, but I'm going to give you a few moments to really pray and reflect and say, God, would you give me wisdom in how I speak? Would you give me wisdom in the words I use, in the tone I use, in the attitude I use towards other human beings who you made in your image? God, help me to be gracious because we need God's Spirit to help us be gracious. So let's take a moment and would you pray that God would help you to find the way to be gracious?
God, we need your help to be gracious because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to be kind and it's hard to be sensitive and it's hard to be humble and it's hard to always speak with grace. So God, we ask that you would help us, that you would make us new people, that you would transform us into new people who can be gracious. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to close with a story and then after that the worship team will come back up in just, in just a moment. Um, I, uh, you know, Facebook is the source of, of, of many arguments and, and, and often um, some good things and, and often words that are not gracious at the same time, uh, if you know what I mean. And um, a couple years ago, I, I posted a couple things of, of things that I thought I was learning and God was teaching me um, in, in Oakland and, and in ministry that I was doing with a lot of different people. And I, I posted a couple things and I, I, got a, I got a message from a family member um, and the message, have you ever gotten a Facebook message and then it's so long that Facebook like, like breaks it into other messages and it keeps like, break, so it just, and it was like, this, and then it was like another one, and there was like another one, and another one, and, and it was someone just, just like ripping me to shreds for, for how, what a horrible person I am for, for dare, for dare saying that on the internet. And just, you know, line after line after line after line about how awful and wrong and terrible I am um, in their perspective. And so I read that and I think I read it again, and maybe again, and I actually was not at all moved towards their opinion. Like, it did not make me at all rethink what I had posted or my view on it. All it made me was hurt and defensive, very defensive, um, and angry and ticked off and hurt and defensive. Um, it, like, it didn't at all help me to think about the point that they wanted to make. On the other hand, I've posted things on, on the Facebook and had people comment on it or even message me and say, hey, I think I see your perspective, but, but what about this perspective? Because my husband has gone through this story, right? Or my son has gone through this story. So when you, when you post that, that makes me think this. And could you maybe also consider this perspective of how that might make someone feel? And I can hear that, right? Like I can actually hear that and we can actually have a discussion, right, about that. And I can actually, like, listen to your perspective um, in that manner. But if we attack people and are mean, it is very hard to actually have that growth, right, to, to have that out there. And sometimes as, as Christians, um, and even some of our Christian leaders, have moments where we say things and attack people and speak in ways towards people that are just so wrong and sad, so I, I hope that we, even as a church, can be the kinds of Christians that can follow Paul into learning how to be gracious. Amen? Um, amen. So I'm going to say just a, a closing prayer, and the, the worship team wants to come up now. I'll, I'll say a closing prayer for us. Dear God, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for loving us. And God, this morning, I hold on to the fact that you are making us new people. God, that your spirit, that your power can keep transforming us into a new kind of person, a person who can love naturally, a person who can speak um, gracefully, even in the hardest circumstances. So God, would you continue to mold us into new people, that the, the fruit of the Spirit, of kindness, of patience, of gentleness, of goodness, would be what comes out of us as we speak to people um, in this world. Thank you, God. Amen.